Welcome to the Four Day Week Podcast, a short podcast about shorter work weeks. I'm your host, Nick Palmer, the CEO of House of Brand Group, a leading Australian strategic insights consultancy based in Sydney, but with people all around Australia. In this podcast series, we want to share a wide variety of perspectives on the benefits and the challenges of shifting to a four-day working week. Today, we're talking to Alyssa Shaw, co-founder and campaign director at Four Day Week Australia, about how a shift to shorter work weeks can have real benefits in terms of gender equity. Welcome back to the Four Day Week podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alyssa Shaw. Alyssa, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much, Nick. Good to be here. Great to have you on the pod. So Alyssa Shaw is co-founder and campaign director at Four Day Week Australia, which was set up to show that the four day week is not only possible, but beneficial and to provide smarter, more considered solutions for modern workplaces and champions, a culture of well-being, replacing burnout with rest and overtime with family time. Alyssa has previously held leadership roles across government, private and not-for-profit organisations and has managed national campaigns and projects including Raise the Rate, NARDOC Week and Universal Access to Reproductive Healthcare. And she served as CEO of a charity focused on student welfare. On top of all of that, she's currently the chair of Better Renting, which she manages alongside her role at 4-Day Week Australia. So we will naturally end up talking about some of the broader context around four-day weeks, as we always do on this podcast, but we've particularly got Alyssa on the pod to share some thinking and expectations on the impact that shorter work weeks might have on gender equity. So a uh, really interesting kind of topic and angle, which is not one that's quite so often spoken about, but is a really interesting one. So uh, we'll get onto that in a second, but before, before we do that, I'll get you to talk a little bit about what you do at Four Day Week Australia. So, you know, how does it work? Who are you there for? Why were you set up? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Four Day Week Australia is really focused on the community campaign. So getting broad social and political support to move Australia to a four-day week and we've defined that as reduced hours working week of 32 hours so the ultimate aim would be that our full time becomes 32 hours and we work with um, unions politicians businesses as well as really trying to grow awareness and support in the community that's that's really why we're here we don't run trials with organizations but we do offer support where we can where we're really focused on the community angle. Okay, cool. So how are you going about that then? Is it about advocacy and lobbying or lots of information and toolkits? What are you, how are you, how are you spreading the word? Yeah, mainly what we do is about, again, creating awareness, getting people to sort of sign petitions. We're knocking on the doors of politicians and holding lots of meetings, um, working with community groups. Um, so it's really about just sort of trying to act as a bit of a lightning rod for this discussion and drawing people together. Um, There's so much great work that's being done in Australia for a number of years now that's sort of gone unnoticed. And so really we're just trying to act as a conduit to to bring all the energy and the interest together and to channel that so that we, this change as, as quick as possible, which we're hoping will be, you know, not too far in the distant future. I kind of flip between going, oh, it feels like everyone's talking about this to going, Actually, no one's really doing it. Not many people are actually doing it yet. And then um, and then some people are still, you know, when I tell people we're doing four-day weeks, they're like, oh, some people don't even really know what it is, let alone haven't even really heard of it before, let alone not heard of anybody who's actually doing it. So 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. But also in Australia, it's challenging in a way because people have different ideas about what four-day work week is. So like Bunnings has come out claiming to have a four-day week, but really they're just doing a compressed working week, which is not what we consider to be the best practice and doesn't have the evidence to support it. So there is that that challenge too, I think, in understanding what a four-day week actually constitutes, as well as, as you're talking about, this broader conversation about who's actually doing it, how prolific is it, how much interest is there. Um, yeah. But certainly, I feel like I've talked to enough people that, and enough politicians now that I think it's increasingly on the radar. Yeah, the com- the compressed week, obviously it works for some people, uh, it suits some people, um, you know, they'll to get that extra day off and just get their hours done or their work done in the rest of the week works. But always strikes me that for plenty of people that feels worse because you're not available at whatever after school times and things like that it's just feels like it's making things worse not better but uh and longer and longer periods of focused work without breaks and things like that so yeah that's it I mean I think it's you know we'll always support flexible initiatives I think where where we can we should be working with as much flexibility as possible but there's really no evidence to say that it's actually good for people's well-being which is really the ethos and the philosophy you come to four day week with so like I said you know some support flexibility and as we'll talk about flexibility is really important for gender equity and supporting women in the workforce as well so you yeah. know 100% support that but in terms of reduced hours and all the well-being gains from that there's yeah, it's a it, it's a challenging space, but it's just the evidence is not there from what I understand. Speaking of kind of evidence and things like that, let's let's talk more about gender equity. So I thought it might be worthwhile without filling a whole podcast talking about some of the kind of context and background around gender equity, at least recapping on some of the the kind of key societal issues in terms of um gender equity in the workplace and things like that. Or we can then talk about how four-day weeks might solve some of those not all of them and well, I say solve it's not going to solve them of course it's going to but <laughs> but but help with some of those issues so you've obviously got a lot of background in this area so you're probably a pretty good person to kind of uh, summarize some of those issues yeah and I mean just in terms of background certainly there's a lot in the gender space to know and I've um, been really fortunate to be working in that space for I guess the the better part of a decade or so now um you know, a lot of the focus has been around health, but also partly women and work and also violence against women. Um, so there's a, there's a lot, as I, as I said, there's a lot in that space. But I've also done my my master's, which is focused on gender as well. So sort of looking at, yeah, some of the evidence and the, the theory behind why it is where we are, where we are. Um, yeah. But yeah, I suppose women and work is traced to a lot of issues that women experience and some of the more specific sort of work-related things are women in Australia are overrepresented in part-time work um they generally do more caring duties in terms of the amount of hours of domestic labor or caring responsibilities and that could be for children as well as um, elderly relatives and disability as well so women are predominantly um, carers in Australia so there's I think it's close to 10 percent of Australians identify as a carer and the majority of those are women um over their lifetimes women will earn a lot less superannuation uh, almost i think it's 23 percent less than male counterparts almost 50 percent of women experience pregnancy discrimination we know that the gender pay gap is i think still over 13 percent at the moment um and there's huge issues around um inequities with 
uh, childcare and how that disincentivizes women to go back to the workforce um, as well as pay parental leaves. The general perception would be that things are obviously a lot better than they used to be, but from what you're saying there, and it, it's there's still quite a long way to go, right? It's been a lot of progress, but there's still a lot more progress to be made. Yeah, of course. But I think when we measure that progress, you know, we're talking about it used to be when women got pregnant, you would immediately resign from your job. That was just the standard. It used to be that women couldn't wear pants in the workplace. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's unheard of today. So of course there's been progress, but yep. you know, for a society, what are our expectations about women in the workplace? Does that really stack up? And I'd argue it's really falling short of where a lot of people think it should be and there's obviously sectors companies whatever where it's things are better and um and maybe that disparity doesn't seem quite so apparent it's probably it's still there for sure but for for every one of those there's going to be companies sectors whatever where things are still pretty pretty much swinging in the wrong direction in terms of um, those equities. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, I guess, you know, there could be lots of reasons for that. But when we're designing policy and we're thinking about gender equity, it it is hard that we seem to have such a focus on this short-termism and, you know, these the decisions and the culture that we had, you know, when these women were becoming mothers, you know, probably like 30 years ago or, or so, we probably didn't about that then about what the implications are we probably didn't think as a society oh well if you get divorced and you don't have a husband anymore you know and you haven't been the primary breadwinner what does that mean for you well it just really wasn't thought about so we have to start being wiser to these things which I think people are but um you know sometimes we can be slow to respond yeah and there's obviously a danger as well of people think well it's getting we're making progress well, well you know everything's fine isn't it and actually um <laughs> yeah and, 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 and yeah progress is good and there are, obviously those there are, it's not about not celebrating what's been done already it's just not taking your foot off the pedal and recognizing there's still things to be solved absolutely yeah progress it all takes time and and in the meantime, we have to do the juggling act of supporting people who have, I guess, come through this system, which has not really supported them, as well as building the new thing to mitigate these issues and to move to a sort of a healthier and more well society, which is what, what Four Day Week Australia is really trying to do, is we see yeah. this as a great policy solution um, to support wellness and to support um, equity and fairness in a lot of ways that that isn't always obvious when you think about it and certainly in gender equality there's a lot of possibilities there yeah for sure so moving on to think about four-day weeks and how they can help and not solve but help with some of these things we've talked a lot on this podcast and just generally it's fairly well documented some of the general benefits of four-day weeks um, kind of you know energy rest more time off more time with family any of those kind of things and there are I won't go through the whole list of benefits now but <laughs> but um, something that has started to come up a bit in my conversations with a few people is is the assistance it gives in terms of gender equity so can yeah can you tell me a little bit about where how you think it helps um, or generally but also some of the specific kind of things imbalances gaps whatever we want to call them that it, that it kind of can help with yeah absolutely I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to show that the four-day week can support and and has supported changes in that that in, um, I guess support gender equity but there's also lots of things that have been untested which 
if we look at the data and we sort of apply logic, then the four-day week is a really viable solution to fix those issues. So what we do know at the moment based out of the UK trial, which is the biggest trial of four-day week so far, is that uh, male partners contributed significantly more to caring. It was almost 30% increased the amount that they they cared for their children, which is really yep. significant. I guess for me, if I if I take a step back, part of the reason I came to the four-day week is that I think it's a real game changer if we think about women being overrepresented in part-time work, but then we shift what our understanding of full-time work is to being what we consider part-time today. We're automatically changing the field so that women are more competitive in that um, workforce uh, sort of environment. But also you're freeing up all this time for other people to help, not just you know, you know men that are usually um, earning more and the breadwinners, but also you know maybe other members of your family or the community has more time. So it's you know the whole sort of mentality of it takes a village. If if the village has more time, you know there's a lot of opportunities that can come from sharing, sharing caring, which people do already, of course, but yeah, challenging to do in our in our current structures. I think there's yeah that that broader vision of what does it mean to have more time and how does that change the nature of work and our understanding of what a meaningful contribution in the workplace looks like. But also we know from the UK trial that when that does shift, um, men as the partners in, in sort of heterosexual relationship, we step up and they take more time to support their kids, which is great. Yeah, good on both fronts, right? Gives the, in those relationships you described, gives the women more opportunity to work or not work or do other things, but also gives the, gives the man more time with his, with his family, children, et cetera, which is also obviously a good thing but absolutely i guess the interesting thing too is you know there's other benefits for men so one of the the data sort of outcomes that came from the australia trial which hasn't really been widely reported but Australians in general but men in particular also took more time to exercise when they moved to a four-day week so not only is there evidence that you'll care for your kids more but arguably you'll be a healthier individual because you you know you could be exercising more maybe that's some sort of commentary on Australians and our love of exercise who knows yeah it's a yeah yeah, lots of benefits um for for men or male partners let's try and get a bit more specific if we can and there's a kind of a uh, let's call it a traditional heterosexual relationship relationship where there's a family involved and and there's now the dad's working four-day weeks so it doesn't really hopefully both parents are working four-day weeks but the point is the dad the dad has more availability to to be around what what opportunities does that open up for the woman in terms of solving some of that gender gap yeah it's a good question I mean there's it's a challenge because we often talk about gender equity in terms of caring. Um, like I said before, women are also overrepresented in part-time work. But the other part that women are overrepresented in is also domestic labour. So yep. you, there's, there's still an argument that um, even if men are stepping up or you know dads and partners are stepping up and doing more of the caring responsibility, there's still sort of inequities that need to be muddled through and and changed around work around the house so household chores you know the basic things that's what domestic labor is so it arguably gives women more time to do those things arguably you know men could also be doing more of that um given they have free time as we discussed you know you go out for a jog and then you do the laundry after yeah. and then you take yeah have your shift taking care of the kids um but really 
what it can do is is obviously it frees up that time for for women to be able to do other things as well whether that's exercise whether that's working more whether that's making the decision you know a couple making the decision to not do that extra day of childcare, and we know that childcare is so expensive in Australia that you know couples, even if they're earning a decent amount, will sort of fall off a cliff in terms of their income because of the the cost of childcare. And women, it's a again a disincentive to go back to work. So making that decision, maybe to take your kids out of childcare one day, actually means that it's financially more viable for women to work more and be more competitive. So you know, when women can actually go to work and, and be part of that and not necessarily seem to be punished if they're working the same amount as everyone else, then, you know, women can then have, I guess, all the all the benefits that you normally would see in a workplace. They could be more competitive for promotions or, um, you know, being seen for opportunities. It's, it's really a, an endless list. So I, I suppose it's not necessarily revolutionary in itself. It's, as I said, it just shifts the playing field so that women can be on a more equal footing. If women are not being penalised for being at home with the kids and they can actually sort of be at work more, then they can take advantage of that. Of course, there's other inequities and discrimination women face as part of the workforce. So yeah, it doesn't solve everything as we're talking about, but it, it can certainly move us a lot closer. Yeah, it feels like there's kind of like, there's an either or and both things have real benefits. Like, so if it's a relationship and the partner is has a fifth day off and therefore the woman in the relationship can therefore work that day rather than date rather than you know having to be at home or whatever or 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 maybe you know not have to pay for daycare that's a real advantage for them in terms of they can just you know work five days have a greater income earn more super all those kind of things but there's also a benefit if they're the one working four day weeks regardless of whether their partner is or regardless even if they have a partner or anything like that if they because if the in within their business every if everybody's on a four-day week then they are not kind of behind the eight ball in terms of, you know, promotion, all those kind of things, because they're, yeah. you know, quote unquote, kind of a part-time worker and not taken as seriously or anything like that. There's opportunity where they work the four-day week or there's opportunity where uh, their partner works the four-day week. Both of them create greater opportunity. for. I mean, ideally everybody is, but if there's, you know, in, in obviously obviously at the moment that that's not necessarily the case. So Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And if I think about it more too, it, it's also about sort of personal fulfillment as well and well-being. So often couples will make the choice that it's the, the couple or the individual within the couple that's earning the most will keep working and and yep. always but often that that is the, the man or the you know the dad to be and so women you know I don't know if there's necessarily statistics on this about the average income of men versus women we know from the gender pay gap that women earn less but generally speaking I think we can say women would earn less um so it's almost certainly going to be women that that take that time off so, but you know when you make that decision women still have ambitions outside of you know being a mother or taking care of kids and and not that there's anything absolutely in being a mum but the idea that women can go back to work and do that and have fulfillment in that aspect of their life something outside of the home outside of the domestic setting which is historically where women have been situated is really powerful you know maybe you're an artist or maybe you're a healthcare worker or you know, maybe, you know, you, you're like, you can go back and be a part-time CEO, yeah. whatever it is, 
women have the ability to to do multiple things that they want and have that fulfillment as a mother, you know, as a someone who's contributing to their community, their business, their society. And that's a really important part of well-being. Having that autonomy to choose, you know, feeling competent in your skills. And then, you know, being able to, to, I guess, be in relationships with other people outside of the home. All those things are really important parts of motivation, important parts of well-being. So it's not, I guess, just about getting women back in the workforce. It's what does that mean for women and for their lives and for their own fulfillment and well-being? So it's, it is so critical in a number of factors, um, as well as, you know, driving GDP and, you know, all those fun things around you know, all the economic sort of drivers of why we should have them there. But from a well-being perspective, it's really, really important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've mentioned a couple of times now about about the impact on caring and carers. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of carers in Australia, almost 10% of the population, or I think it's 2.65 million people identify as carers. So a significant number, and this could be caring for um, people with disability mainly or the elderly. And what's really interesting is that most carers are women and most yep. of these carers are also um, poorly represented in the workforce. We want to think of like the, the net effect of everyone in Australia. I'll say overnight, everyone in Australia moves from four-day week. The amount of time that creates that can then be redistributed in society is massive. And the opportunities to utilize that in really positive ways, like we're talking about, whether it's exercise, you know, you get better sleep, you're taking better care of your kids or someone else's kids, whatever it is, there's a huge positive impact that can come out of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, it means that there's a, well, for one day extra a week, they're not having to, these carers are not having to choose between earning money or caring. They can effectively do both for that day. But then also, as you say, on top of that, there's now a bigger pool of people available to potentially care. So that kind of relieves their pressure in that sense as well. So the more you think about four day weeks, the more you realize there's so many kind of knock on and it's, you know, spiraling implications, something, a small difference that makes that has a kind of a virtuous circle effect on so many other things as well but it's unending isn't it some of the some of the impacts it really is yeah as you said it's a real upward spiral do you think there's anything important to be thinking about in terms of like if you were gonna if if a company was gonna implement shorter work week is there anything that needs to be thought about carefully to make sure that it's that it's gonna have as much gender equity impact as possible is there anything that kind of does or doesn't work or needs to make sure it's there we've already talked about compressed work hours my instinct tells me that's possibly not going to have quite the same gender equity solve but because it's 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 not really working four day weeks it's just changing the hour moving the hours around is there anything that you think we need to make sure we do with four day weeks to make sure they solve some of these issues or help with some of these issues? Yeah, I mean, I think having a good gender lens on any sort of measurement we do is a, is a good thing. So whether that's, you know, when companies go to trial a four day week, they're capturing gender specific data um, or they're digging in, they're asking additional questions, particularly to, to parents uh, around what the four-day week has meant for them in terms of caring duties. And it would be great, again, to, to understand that from, from the perspective of different parents, whether they're doing a four-day week or not. I think the other thing, yeah, it, I guess it's just to make sure it, it's hard, right? Because often what you'll, what you'll come up with, I suppose, is that one partner you have a couple with kids 
one partner might be doing a four-day week trial, the other might not. So it is it is hard yeah. to see what the, the cumulative effect of a four-day week for the family would be. But certainly I think any evidence we have to show that it's beneficial and that when you move to a four-day week, you can contribute more to your family and your community is great to show to show the impact, to show the broader benefit. And again, you know, we did that overnight for everyone in Australia, you know, massive amount of time. Certainly everything we're seeing so far points to it being very impactful, very positive. People get all these individual benefits, but then there's also family and community benefits too. I, I guess my my conclusion would be any companies that are thinking about trialing four-day week, make sure to build in a gender analysis, make sure to build an analysis that captures the experience of parents so that we can actually see what, what's happening in that dynamic and, and what the positive impact is or, and the challenges as well. You know, go into it with that lens and then make sure you kind of measure or analyze or, or get feedback with that lens on as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you think there's any danger of attaching four-day weeks to the idea of gender equity and something that mostly benefits women do you think that's a dangerous path to go down in terms of getting wide wider acceptance yeah it's a really interesting question I mean I think you know you sort of talked about it before that gender equity keeps coming up as, as an area that 40 week touches on I don't think that the conversation at the moment is really focused on gender equity in fact I think the conversation with four day week is really focused on productivity rather than well-being. And that's a real distinction where Four Day Week Australia takes a very different sort of approach. We're really well-being focused. And we know that from, from well-being science that productivity actually flows as a result yep. of well-being. So yep. it's a secondary thing for us. So, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a risk at the moment based on how the conversations are going, but I also think maybe it would be useful if we start talking about this a bit more. I don't see, I mean, it feels sometimes like everything to do with gender is like controversial, but if we're talking about half the population being better off because of, you know, a measure that's also seen to be beneficial for individuals and businesses. The reason for the question was exactly what you said. Everything that gets attached to gender becomes political and controversial and all those kind of things. And as part of my job in market research, we talk to Australians quite a bit and recently having recently done some focus groups with all male groups on, on, a, on a related topic. I think there's a danger that it will get, that it kind of shuts people out immediately if we start. I wish it wasn't that way, but unfortunately it still yeah. is that way, that it kind of shuts, can shut the conversation down or make it more politically charged than it needs to be. So I think it needs to be part of the discussion and probably a more elevated part of the discussion than it is already. I think there would be a danger if it became kind of felt to be that's the primary reason for doing it. I'd agree, sorry, with, with everything you said. It's I think you're right. It, it's a really important component of the conversation, but there there is a risk in it being too dominant. And yeah, I love to see the market research that you've done. And certainly I've seen some um some very interesting segmentation which which shows yeah, groups of of men really being shut down by this conversation. But interestingly, also um older women, I think, that have been, yep. you know, had the hard slog of being in careers and dealing with all the discrimination and sort of getting through it and being yep. like, well, you know, I did it, so why does it have to change? So it is it is really challenging. Again, the ethos where we come from, and I guess personally I would start with, is 
what's the outcome that's going to make us the most well you know what what's what is it that we need to move towards to be a healthier happier society and you know solving gender equity or making significant progress on that is definitely part of it and if four day week can somehow contribute that open up space for for things to be challenged open up these discussions around well as a society actually starting to care more about our well-being and caring for one another than we are about chasing the dollar it's all all good to me like i think yeah. we we're going into this sort of postmodern idea of what it means to live and we need to start having these big conversations yeah no exactly it's about well-being and it's just another way gender equity angle is just another way that it, that four day weeks can create a better better well-being in society as a whole so we've got a final question we ask everyone who comes on the pod so if you had to convince someone that they should adopt or seriously consider adopting a four-day work week in their company what would be the one thing that you would tell them Ooh, i think i'd probably say do you like sleep <laughs> see what they say um but yeah seriously i i i think for me, the conversations I usually have are, you want to be a leader in the space of transforming the lives of Australians and what it means to, to live a good and well life, then you should take this on. You should trial it. It's not going to hurt you. So yeah, be a bit brave. Yeah, cool. Love it. Yeah, be brave. Always be brave. And where can we find you, Alyssa? Where, um, your socials, your website, etc. Oh yeah, all the fun thing. Yeah, four day week uh, dot au, and then we're on Twitter or X now and LinkedIn. Okay, well, thanks so much. That's been a really, really fascinating conversation and uh, probably an under discussed angle to this that I think is a really important one. So, so thanks, yeah, Lisa. Thanks so much, Nick. It's been yeah, really great. Happy to discuss gender and four day week with you anytime. Thanks for listening to the 4-Day Week podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes by following Hustle Brand Group on LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that new episodes with different perspectives on 4-Day Work Weeks turn up directly in your podcast feed. Catch you next time.